Here's to all the moms who walk by faith and not by sight, and all of us who have moms that fit that category is truly a blessing. Well, I want to um, share 12 things mother taught me. Do not be dismayed. I don't have 12 points to my sermon. I know there was a, a collective gasp out there. He has 12 points. No, no. This is just the appetizer. Some uh, of these are from my own mom and my recollection, but some are, well, exaggerations perhaps, or maybe describe your own mom. But here we go. My mother taught me logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, don't come crying to me. <laughs> My mother taught me medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they are going to freeze that way. My mother taught me to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. My mother taught me humor. When the lawnmower cuts your toes off, don't come running to me. <laughs> My mother taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll get rickets. Did any mother ever tell their kid that in here? That's what my mother used to tell me. I don't even know what rickets are. Is there such a thing? Okay, all right. My mother taught me about genetics. You are just like your father. My mother taught me about my roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait till your father gets home. My mother taught me the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. My mother taught me about receiving. You are going to get it when you get home. <laughs> My mother taught me justice. One day you will have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> then you'll see what it's like. And my mother taught me about advanced planning. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident. <laughs> but of all the things my mother taught me, the most impactful was this. She taught me the truth about God and about the world and about the meaning of life, about myself and my value and my place in the world. And for that I am and will be eternally grateful. And some of you have the same experience. Because that's what moms get to do. That's the special privilege I think that is reserved specifically and most effectively for moms. More than ever, we need moms who know this power that has been given to them, entrusted to them by the Lord to shape the world. And, and it's more desperate than ever, I think, as we look at the landscape of our 
of our situation. We know that we live in desperate times. And, and the world we live in wants to rob your child of their identity. The world is collectively an identity theft, an identity thief right now. And um, the, these identity thieves uh, occupy very, very high and powerful offices. The whole um, issue is fueled by corporation, large corporation dollars, and is legalized by godless governments. And so I've entitled this sermon this morning, Mom, Teach the Truth. The great ministry, the great, great um, mission that the Lord God has given to you is to teach your children the truth because the battle for their identity, the identity of your child, is with two major factors, although they really fit together. And the one is naturalism and the other is false religions. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, and we're going to look at verses 10 through uh, 17 this morning specifically. We're going to look also at chapter 1, verse 5 as our key text. But uh, suffice it to say that the landscape of our time is not incredibly different although it's more sophisticated than it was in Paul's time. And when Paul describes the days, or he calls them the last days, these are the last days, since Jesus Messiah came to be with us and live among us, until the present time are the last days, and until the Lord returns, we live in the last days. And um, the description of the last days that Paul gives us here in the first part of chapter 3 are very, very characteristic, actually, of the days that we live in. But I read a, a, a really important essay um, a couple of weeks ago by a, a, man, a pastor by the name of Michael Sherrard uh, on this whole matter of naturalism and the explanation for why the world is the way it is. Now, we, we need an explanation as to why uh, large corporations like Google and Starbucks and Target are, are in fact bucking the trend of even the majority of their customers to um, unloosen all the moorings of morality. And, and most of us are scratching our head and saying, this is not even logical what's going on. And the reason that we look at it and say it's not logical is because uh, there is a concerted effort globally to um, respond to the uh, major belief system of our world, which is that God does not exist. And because God does not exist in the minds of the vast majority of the world, that means there is no meaning to life. Well, there's no uh, amount of humanity that can live in, the, in a world that has no meaning. And so uh, these naturalists, the, the whole... Uh, the, the, the philosophy of naturalism, which is illogical, by the way, but I, this is not a philosophy lesson. I know moms came to hear about mom, and I'm not going to get philosophical with you, but you need to have this sort of as a foundational uh, reality to build from so you understand what the world is trying to do to your children, even though it doesn't make any sense, is um, the only way that a culture that does not believe God exists can bring meaning to life is to somehow create an artificial freedom so that every single person is completely free 
to do or become whatever they want so that they can artificially create some sort of meaning for themselves. And so if you're trying to get your mind wrapped around what's going on, why are all these dollars being invested in this whole philosophy, it's because humans can't live without meaning. Even at the expense of logic and morality. And so they are fabricating uh, this ultimate freedom, which we all know, by the way, no one can be set free by freedom alone because we are all captive to our nature and our sinful nature and we are slaves to that. But this is why I'm talking about the logic of it. But it is, in fact, what is happening and it explains the educational uh, uh, revolution that's going on. The whole idea is to give people some sort of meaning in life even if that meaning is desperately immoral. This is the world your children are growing up in. And it's the, the fuel behind this, the dollars and energy behind this have not begun to be invested. So what do we do, moms, with regard to this battle? I, I would suggest to you there's a great text here in the scripture that can respond to this. And it is this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching in, in contrast to the false teaching of others and the way of the world. My way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, all places uh, located in modern-day Turkey. The persecutions I endured... Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, just as, or but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become, now he's talking to Timothy now, you become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man, woman, or child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of God. Father, as we... Um, embrace uh, your instruction to us this morning, particularly as it relates to the incredible influence and impact moms can have on children's lives, uh, really um, drawn from this uh, letter uh, Paul wrote to a young man who was faithful in the things of God. We pray this morning, Lord, for moms here, that they might not become discouraged that they might be re-energized with the role that you've given to them and the, and the amazing impact that can come from that role. I pray for moms who are discouraged, uh, moms who are, are finding it uh, a, a huge uh, burden in life. Lord, I just pray today that we will take a, a, a new look at what you've promised and the power that you've granted and, and in this world that is against us and the powers and and uh, the, the incredible force that is coming against the truth. I pray, O oh God, that moms will, um, by faith, stand on what they believe that you have given to them, and they, they will not negotiate with the world, uh, not negotiate away the minds of their children to the world, but will 
will stand and, and fight for the truth and for their children, O oh God. And I pray this because I know this is what Jesus wants of us, and I pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. So today, in celebration of the mum factor, um, the specific verses that, that really I want to zero in on are uh, 14 and 15 and 17, uh, 16 and 17, and also uh, verses one, or chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to go bounce around a little bit and look in those, those verses particularly. When Winston Churchill was um, uh, giving approval to a list that was being created uh, and published uh, to um, identify the most influential teachers of his life, he wrote back the individuals who made the list and said um, this, you have neglected to mention the greatest of my teachers, my mother. Um, Another very intelligent person said, you're never old until your mother stops worrying about you. I think that's true. The Bible, by the way, agrees, I think, with Winston Churchill that probably the most influential person in our lives is our mom. Dads have a really critical and important role, but there is nothing like moms in terms of impacting and having the the greatest amount of impact in the most um, impressionable time in, in a human being's life. And, and I, want to see, I want you to see this from the text. Paul uh, believed that the spiritual caliber of this young man, Timothy, who was a, a strong servant of God, was related to the women in his life and their influence. And so I want to uh, give you three ideas from the text here this morning of how, Mom, you can counteract... Uh, the world that is seeking to be an identity thief of your child's mind because the battle is for the mind. And the first is this, mom, direct their natural curiosity to knowing God. I, I get that out of really verse 17, so that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Invest their... Uh, 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 Direct their natural curiosity toward knowing God. Um, If you're around little tiny kids at all, they drive you crazy, or at least me, with their questions. They they never, they constantly question this and have a question about that. And once you just get exhausted. I'm glad I'm not a mom because moms all day long are fielding questions from little people uh, because quite frankly, children are born ready to learn. Uh, That's apparent and obvious, and the battle that the enemy is waging has to do with the mind, first of all. The battle is is the mind. This is what Paul is saying here. Who will own and shape their minds? Who will own and shape your child's mind? The world is basically divided into two. False teaching, which leads to death and destruction and pain and ruined lives and evil and wickedness, and we see it all around us. Or the truth, God's truth, which leads to life and health and peace with God and joy and righteousness and eternal life. Those are the two things that are set before, the two ways that are set before your children in the battle for their mind. There's those who oppose the truth and there's those who embrace the truth. That the world is divided into those two ways. And so Paul says here that Timothy has known the Holy Scriptures in verse 15. He has known the Holy Scriptures, the 
Hira Grammata, which is the, really the sacred writings, um, the sacred letters and the sacred characters of those writings, because the, whole, the sacred writings answer the big and most important question of questions. What does God think? That's the most important question to be answered. Uh, we need to steer the hearts of our children to that question always in answering their questions. Well, what does God think? What, does, what is God like? Uh, what, is, what does God do? What has God done? These are the important questions to be settled in the uh, the, the young mind of a child, the timeless content for shaping the godly mind that is found here, Paul says, in the sacred writings, the Word of God, against the godless mind that he has articulated in earlier verses. And, and, and he describes it as people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents and ungrateful and unholy and without natural attachments, a better translation, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. This is the other stream of false teaching. And um, he talks here about the importance of, of what you learn and are convinced of, uh, you will continue to live. Notice that he says in verse 14, but as for you, you, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Now, how does that happen? How do those convictions occur? Uh, well, you know, he's talking there about this uh, world uh, living, uh, the world that we live in which has conflicting opinions and feelings and experiences over against the, the idea that he puts forth that there must be absolute truth, unchangeable truth, to maintain the channel markers that God has set out because God knows uh, where the, sh the shoals that will wreck the ship of our life is. You move those markers at your own risk, at your own peril. Now, um, I have my, as most of you do, uh, your boater's license. I haven't driven many boats, and I, I think I'm right. Please shout at me if I'm wrong, because I'd hate to be steering you wrong, but I think one of the things that you're supposed to remember is in channel marker colors, red, right, return. Am I right? You need to know that. And if someone moves the red to the green... Mix, mess, messes up the channel and you go, you keep red now on the right, what's going to happen? Come on, boaters. You're going into some rocks likely. You're going to wreck the ship of your life. This is what our world is doing. It is moving all the markers on the basis of opinions and experiences and feelings. And our children are uh, constantly being barraged with these opinions and experiences and feelings. Only God could produce timeless instructions that transcend culture or opinions or feelings or experiences or contemporary ideas. 
And you know, I've said this to you before, but there are a lot of people out there who are saying, well, what about, the, what about the new things that we find out and we discover? New things, don't they give us reason to adjust the old book? Well, you know, nothing is new to God. I, I mean, th- th- these are the, th- this is God breathe. It uses this very word here and. In verse 16, all scripture, the, the writings, the scripture writings are God-breathed. They, are, they come from the, the infinite wisdom of our eternal God who, who knows all things, who, by the way, isn't surprised about the year 2016. It's not like he picks up the book and says, oh man, if I had only written things that would be applicable and relevant to 2016, hey listen, if the world doesn't come unglued. God has already been to 2016. He's already been to 2035. He's already been to 3175. He's already been to 4625. However long the world is, the markers are going to hold. They're going to be useful for instruction and teaching and leading in righteousness. And if you're teaching our ancestors... Uh, no, I guess those, those farther along from us are whatever they would be called. Uh, those who will follow us 4,000 years from now can still be teaching their children from the old book and it'll still be new things and right things and righteous things and right ways to live. Because we're talking about God. And we're talking to our children about God so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a second idea that I notice here that Paul um, identifies in Timothy's life, and that is this, that he learned these things from infancy, verse 15. From infancy. The ladies in his life started early and often to teach him. In fact, the word that's used here for the, the writings, the sacred writings, is a very unusual word. Uh, Paul doesn't usually use this word when he's referring to the Bible, the scriptures. He uses it here in a very remarkable way, and I'm pretty convinced that, that what he's getting at here is it appears that Paul is trying to convey the idea that, in fact, Timothy learned to read and write from the sacred writings. There's every indication by how he says this from infancy that, that his grandmother and his mother taught him uh, to read and write by using the scriptures. The word, by the way, for learned, it says how from infancy you have known or learned the scriptures, the holy scriptures. That word, uh, Matthew, has, has as its root word the same root word that we use for the word disciple, mathetis. It is the idea that not only did he learn the letters and the characters from the sacred writings, but he actually learned the theology. He learned what they meant. He became a disciple of the word of God as a little kid, learning about the things of God. What an amazing thing. The women in his life, by the way, if you you look back, it says here, um, in verse 5, I have been reminded of, uh, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Um, he had uh, uh, godly women in his life that um, instilled in him through the scriptures from infancy safeguards that would enable him to stand against the allures of false teaching. 
building into their lives early. And we also understand by the scriptures, Acts chapter 16, verse 1, that uh, Timothy's father was not a believer, that he was a, a Greek and was not uh, a follower of, of, of the Lord uh, and, and was not uh, living by faith in the Old Testament scriptures. So you have here to encourage the single mom or a, a mom living a spiritually single life. In other words, your husband isn't serving the Lord or doesn't believe. You have every reason to be encouraged that God will help you to raise godly offspring. That you can do this through the power of God and be encouraged about that. How important is early and often to instill confidence in God's word? Well... Uh, notice what it says here in uh, the text that um, in verse 15, how, how you from infancy have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Mom, how important is it? The salvation of your child hangs on this. Now, now, please understand that you don't get saved by reading the Bible or by teaching them the Bible, but you can't get saved without it. You can't get saved without knowing the truth about Jesus Christ that is found in the scriptures. So you can't get saved by the scriptures, but you can't get saved without them. How important is it? Salvation, we know, is by faith in Christ. But the knowledge of the truth to believe in Christ is found in the scriptures. Um, I did a little digging on the matter of early childhood education and I know there are a whole lot of early childhood educators in um, the uh, congregation this morning not only uh, just practically because you have little kids and you have to be an early childhood educator but some of you are professionally trained like my own daughter-in-law and so um, I did a little uh, digging and uh, if I'm if I'm offbeat uh, I'll find out at lunch today but the brain is the only organ not fully formed at birth. And from the ages of zero to three, trillions, yes, trillions of connections are being made between brain cells, particularly in the areas of relationship and experience, in shaping how the little child's brain will grow and develop between the ages of zero and three. Who knew that that was such an important time of life? I just gave them to their mother during those times. Here, you change the kid. Zero to eight. Early learning experiences in the zero to eight window sh virtually shape the rest of a human's life. From the ages of zero to five, character and cognitive skills are formed. Uh, in those years, the necessity of pouring the absolute truth of God into those forming minds is crucial that they might grow up to have a God-dominated worldview. I also discovered in my research that there was a study called the High Scope Perry Preschool Study. It was a landmark study, apparently. 
uh, conducted through, uh, between the years of 1962 and 1967. Anybody alive during those years? Few of us. A few of us. Legends. Uh, it seems that um, 123 kids from poor and high-risk families were uh, removed from, uh, or, or were taken and placed in high-quality preschool environment. Uh, their friends and others were left in, the, in their normal environment, in their poor, high-risk settings. They tracked these kids, and by age 40, here were the results. Now, there are, there are actually uh, number results. I'm not going to give you the number results. This is all available for you to, to note. But by age 40, the kids, who, same environment, same everything, but were placed in a high-energy learning scenario. By age 40, they were arrested less. They earned more. They graduated more often. They um, uh, attained far more by age 15. And their IQs were dramatically higher. Same environment, same behavior, same, same place, different learning environment. How important then is it early and often to, uh, to then invite our children to know the truth about God? To counter the effects of a fallen world that is seeking to steal their identities so that we can ensure that they learn that their identity is to be firmly fixed on Christ. The Canadian Pediatric Society position statement on this whole matter of children makes this really summary statement that the impact of media confirms that what children feed their mind will shape their worldview and behavior. We know that. And so, moms, the Lord invites you to shape their minds with the truth. There's one, one uh, final observation I want to make from the text and that is this mom make certain that what you what they read in God's word they see in you I think we all know this but one of the the important identities that Christ gave to us when he ascended back to heaven was this you will be my Witnesses, not just teachers and instructors, but witnesses who live out the experience of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is a show and tell religion. It is show and tell. And, and where, where do I see that? Well, uh, Several places in this text alone, but one of the key places is right here. Chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, verse 5. Paul is identifying what he sees in Timothy's life. And he says this, I have been reminded of your, it says in the text, sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, the NIV and other translations have translated this sincere faith, but you know what he really said here is, 
your unhypocritical faith. It probably is smoother and reads better to say sincere faith, but my goodness, it really hits the bullseye when you just translate it straight across. Moms, hypocrisy is a killer of anything you try to teach your children. It is about living out. This is why Paul says to them, says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. And why did he become convinced? Because you know those from whom you learned it. You saw them model it, the most influential model According to a Kansas State Education Department study, May 6, 2011, the most influential model in the real time of cognitive and social development is mom. And this whole modeling in the Christian faith is critical. The only way truth can really be driven to the heart level, of course, this is the work of God, but, but this is the, the, the mission that he's given to us. The only way that truth can really be driven to the level of the heart is that one would, be, would really have a conviction that this is the truth. And the only way that you can have convictions that something is really the truth is based on the credibility of the one who delivers the truth to you. And that credible one in our lives, invariably, is our mom. Because who loves you more than your mom? And this faith that lived in Timothy, Paul notes, first lived in the grandmother and lived in the mother and was passed on to Timothy. Sending the kids for Bible instruction is good, but it will never, ever, ever replace living the Bible in front of their toddler's eyes. They will be able to face challenges, alternatives, persecution. This is what Paul says, Timothy, you're going to do fine. You're going to do fine because the truth was locked into your heart as truth by the credibility of the most respected, influential human beings on the planet to you, your grandmother and your mother. Mom, what a tremendous privilege. What a tremendous privilege. And it's never too late. The one thing I have learned is your mom is always your mom. I called my mom up this morning before services. And uh, my mom's turning 80 this year. I would have won the, uh, my mom would have won the award for the legend, by the way, in the first service. Because I was the oldest kid in the room. Seriously. And uh, my mom turns 80 and, you know... Uh, in all these years, no matter how old I keep getting, my mom still is always my mom. Talking to me in some ways like moms always do. Now, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to be careful. Don't forget. You know what I mean? It's like, Mom, hey, like I'm 60 years old, you know. It's like I, I got grandchildren. I, I, I know a few things. And so as we, as we finalize or we conclude, I just want to say a couple of things about the, the three most influential moms. I just want to give a shout out to uh, the three moms that I know up close better than anybody else. 
And the first is my mom. Um, my mom uh, had me when she was very young. She was 19. Um, back in those old days, they used to get married young. Some of you know that. And uh, she taught me um, about personal value, that, that, that I was valuable to God. You know, early in life. That, that really establishes a strong foundation of confidence in who you are and who you are to God. And I thank her for that. She also taught me to have confidence in, in, in being right when you're, when you're talking about the truth. When, when you believe you are right and you are, it, it is about God's truth, then don't back down. Don't back away. Don't, don't give in to anything or anybody because the truth is the truth. God's truth is not to be negotiated away. She taught me to be completely committed to that and was strong in our family for that, unwilling to give ground. She also taught me that faithfulness to God in service was not extraordinary or abnormal. It was the normal Christian life. That's what Christians do. We, we place ourselves sacrificially before God and serve Him. She showed me service in all kinds of various areas and was always serving the Lord, doing something. And I learned that she pushed hard for spiritual commitment in our family and with myself and my sister. And it was no hit and miss thing for us. It was always hit. Always. She also really taught me that there should be no whining or self-pity in life. Don't be a whiner. God has given you a fire to fight. Now get out and fight it. That's the way we grew up. She also taught me the presence of someone over you in authority who would always be there. She always came to everything as we were growing up. She's, her presence was always there. That taught me you know, something about God. When he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, maybe he means it. Because my mom showed me that that's how people over you are who love you and care for you and that's how they'll be there for you she also um, always made sure that I knew my dad was proud of me my dad's a quiet guy and he didn't really express things all the time but he would tell her things and she would tell me your dad's proud of you he really is and and I, I learned that my Heavenly Father was proud of me that kind of stuff uh, strengthens you and helps you. So she always made sure that the, the dad department, the father department, was in good shape and, and that I had a good concept of father and God and, and uh, she respects and so respects my father and loves him. These things, I, I could go on and on. These things are irreplaceable and, and I can't thank my mom enough. I also want a, a shout out to my, my, my children's mom who is a superb and spectacular mom. That's my wife, Lynn. Um, I, I have learned the intensity of deep, deep, committed love from, from, uh, of a mother to her children from my wife, Lynn. How much she loves the children. And uh, how loyal she is to them. Now, you know, to a fault, she is loyal to her children. They can do nothing wrong. And we all know that they do things that are wrong. That's my job. I sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm that side of things, you know. Um, but, hey, all of us need at least one person in life who thinks we can do no wrong, who thinks we're the greatest, right? All of us. And that's mom. That's who mom is. So I've learned, you know, hey, don't mess with a mom's children. Because 
mom rightfully is mama bear, and she should be, because that's who takes care of the children. If you were to look at my little grandson, Bowen, coming out of the nursery day, you see great, huge scars on his face, great, great scratch marks on his forehead, and his nose is all banged up and everything. And that's because he was given one day with his father to look after him. <laughs> so, and so uh, moms are there to look after and keep the children alive. <laughs> My wife, Lynn, demonstrated to me steadfast faith, lived out every day in front of the children when they were little and to this day. And because of this, she has had the privilege of leading every single one of them to the Lord. You'd think the preacher would get that job. <laughs> but Lynn has led every single one of the children to the Lord. And it's a tremendous thing when a mom who takes the children who belong to her and gives them to the Lord because they really belong to Him. And a mom who does that will learn that that return to the Lord is often with great cost and sacrifice. And it's hard on a mom's heart. But it's worth it. And the, th the third shout-out I want to give is to my grandchildren's mom, and that's Sarah, who I have nothing but the greatest love and respect for. And I know my other daughter-in-law is going to be great as well. But Sarah is uh, a tremendous mom. The, uh, it, it, you know, being a grandfather now, I get to s sit a bit on the sidelines, and I can see the forest because I'm not bouncing off the trees so much, you know. And the, um, I call Sarah the children juggler. She is an unbelievable. The three kids are, are, are in saltatory motion. They're just all over the place. And, and she can be pulling a candy out of this kid's mouth and showing this kid how to color. And it's just like she's got the kids spinning constantly. Or, and she keeps all the plates going. It's just amazing to see her in action. And what has really struck me is little Luke of mine who's five years old, what he knows and believes and is passionate about already about the Lord and the world is truly astonishing. And I've discovered something in trying to change his mind. If his mother has told him something, it is locked and loaded. But my mummy says... And I can't think of a greater mommy to have said something to my grandchildren than Sarah. You know, a wise person said, it is easier to build a child than to fix an adult. So a shout out to all you moms out there who are working so diligently to share the truth of God with your children, whatever age they are. Father, I pray and thank you for truth. I thank you, Lord, that we can win this battle because although the powers arrayed against the truth are great and strong, you are the power of the universe, O oh God, and there is nothing over you. And so, Lord, we realize that we go in the name of the Lord, 
And the battle is the Lord's. For the minds of our children, it is your battle. And you give us this great privilege, and moms particularly, to build into the hearts of their little children who you've entrusted to them. And so, God, I pray today that you would just encourage, re-encourage the moms who are here with this uh, profound commitment that you have to them to help them to raise children to know and love you with all of their hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.